Hello and welcome to the Campus Beat Podcast. I'm Dinah Jansen. In this program, the CFRC Campus News Team welcomes new guests from the Queen's University community and covers news, issues, upcoming and recent events, initiatives, and services for the benefit of Queen's University students, faculty, staff, and alumni. Welcome and enjoy. Hello and welcome to Campus Beat. I'm Dinah Jansen. In this week's Queen's University News, the Vice Principal Research Nancy Ross's office will host a town hall event on October 18th from 8.30 to 12.30 to update the Queen's community about the current federal research security support infrastructure and how it impacts research activities. The in-person town hall will feature Vice Principal Research Nancy Ross as well as a special presentation from Public Safety Canada. Ricardo Smalling, the Legal Counsel and Director, Research Data Privacy and Security, and Lisa Kochitz of Research Security and Compliance will address how researchers can safeguard their research at Queen's University. The Town Hall will bring the Queen's research community up to date on these changes and provide an opportunity for feedback on how their implementation will impact research programs. This will support the Vice Principal Research Portfolio in designing processes and supporting infrastructure that is responsive to the needs of the Queen's community. The Town Hall is open to all faculty members at Queen's, including those cross-appointed to Kingston Health Sciences Center, Providence Care, Royal Military College, and St. Lawrence College, anyone engaged in research as well as research administrators. In other Queen's University news, Queen's has set a $490,000 fundraising goal for its annual campaign in support of the United Way of Kingston, Frontenac, Lennox, and Addington, its highest goal ever. This year's overall campaign goal for the local United Way is $3.82 million. Last year, Queen's United Way raised $489,311, well over the 10% of the overall local goal. Still further in Queen's University news, the External Review Committee responsible for reviewing policies and procedures related to academic accommodations for students with disabilities will be on campus from October 17th through the 19th to gather information from as many community members as possible. The visit will include faculty-specific drop-in consultations to gain insight and learn about the experiences of faculty, students, and staff. Information regarding the External Review Committee can be found on the Review of Academic Accommodations and related procedures at Queen's website. And now it's time for the Campus Catch-Up, brought to you by the Queen's Journal. Subscribe today to the Campus Catch-Up by visiting queensjournal.ca to get your campus news on the go. In this week's Campus Catch-Up, Queen's Journal Senior News Editor Sophia Coppolino reported that Times Higher Education ranked Queen's University as 12th in Canada, while it placed between 251 and 300 amongst 1,904 universities worldwide. Times Higher Education grades universities on five indicators, including teaching, research environment, research quality, industry, and international outlook. Coppolino reported that Queen's scored below 37.5 on teaching and 38 on research environment indicators out of 100. The teaching indicator accounts for Queen's teaching reputation, staff-to-student ratios, and institutional income. The research indicator considers the university's research reputation among academics, research grants, and the number of peer-reviewed publications. The highest-ranking programs at Queen's were preclinical health and law. THE ranked these programs higher due to higher scores on international outlook and industry income. 
In a separate THE ranking, Queen's ranked third worldwide on impact rankings, which measure universities' contributions to the United Nations Sustainable Development Goals. In other campus catch-up news, Sofia Coppolino also reported on the university's recent welcome of Dr. Matthew Evans as the new provost and vice principal academic who began his five-year term on August 1st. Provost Evans told the journal that his primary role will be to support the university's strategic initiatives, which he plans to achieve through the attraction of top, of top scholars and raise the university's international reputation. Stay tuned in the coming weeks for an exclusive interview here on CFRC with Provost Evans. In further campus catch-up news, Meg Greg Milken and Sophia Tosello reported that Queen's University has also updated its harassment and discrimination prevention response policy, which was presented by the University Culture Committee and approved by the Board of Trustees during its meeting in Richardson Hall on September 29th. With the creation of the Vice Principal Culture Equity and Inclusion Portfolio, Queen's has created a new Complaints and Investigations Office. Led by Stephanie Simpson, Vice Principal Culture Equity and Inclusion, all complaints alleging harassment and discrimination will be routed through the new office. Milken and Tosello also reported that the university said the changes include centralization of complaints and allowing the complaints to be reviewed by individuals' understanding of indigenization, equity, diversity, inclusion, accessibility, and anti-racism on campus, according to the report to the Board of Trustees. Milken and Tosella further reported that the intake and assessment team shared by Simpson will now determine if the facts presented in complaints warrant further investigation, deciding which administrative unit will be responsible for the investigation. Complaints brought against students which are referred for investigation by the intake team will likely be directed to the non-academic misconduct office. And now moving over to other campus news, Queen's University Homecoming is coming October 20th and 21st. Queen's University Advancement and Alumni Relations is reaching out to all alumni worldwide to remind them about how to reconnect with friends and former classmates. This year is a milestone reunion year for graduating class years ending in 3 and 8, and members of the Tricolor Guard, that is alumni, celebrating graduation 50 or more years ago. All alumni, regardless of year of graduation, are encouraged to visit the Queen's Homecoming events page at queensu.ca backslash alumni for the full list of homecoming activities, details on how to plan your visit back to campus, and how to register. On the events page, there are hundreds of events happening for individual departments and graduating classes, in addition to special events including a family-friendly concert at the Isabel Bader Centre for the Performing Arts on October 20th, starting at 7.30, featuring choral work by Queen's graduate and Order of Canada recipient Mark Surratt. The Queen's Student Alumni Association is also inviting students and alumni to paint their names on the tricolor banner and walk together to Richardson Stadium in the big parade to the big homecoming game against Ottawa GGs. Join in the parade by meeting in front of Grant Hall by 11.20 a.m. on October 21st. And if you didn't get tickets to the big game or simply can't make it to campus on Saturday, CFRC's sports news team will be broadcasting the Gales versus Gigi's homecoming game live and maintaining our 100-year tradition on our airwaves and live stream at cfrc.ca. Be sure to also attend the homecoming meet and greets at Grant Hall on Friday, October 20th and Saturday, October 21st. At the meet and greet, alumni visitors can connect with friends, find information about activities happening over the weekend, pick up reunion swag, and also visit booths, including those attended by Queen's University Archives, as well as CFRC. 
Alumni can also attend the Fall Harvest Alumni Gathering at Agnes Benedictson Field behind Grant Hall on Saturday, October 21st from 11 to 2, where CFRC DJ Lauren Tucker will play music between musical sets performed by Jen Calder, Fonts the Duo, and Michelle Enrose, while the field is filled with local vendors and food trucks. CFRC is also open for an open house for both October 20th and 21st with food and beverages provided by Old Farm Fied Foods. Queens and CFRC alumni are most welcome to drop by the station, visit their old stomping grounds, and even record a greeting and station ID while visiting. And you can learn more on our website at cfrc.ca. And that's a wrap for our homecoming headlines. Now we move over to a conversation about homecoming tradition and its importance with Queen's University Vice Principal Advancement, Karen Bertrand. And we are back in the studio with Karen Bertrand, VP Advancement at Queen's University. Welcome back to CFRC, Karen. Oh, thank you so much, Diane. It's always a pleasure. And so excited to chat with you, all things homecoming. But before we dive into that, let's hear a little bit more about you and your role as the VP Advancement. All right. So I am a proud grad of uh, 94. I'm a 94 arts eye grad. So it is uh, really a true delight to be able to be doing this work on behalf of my alma mater. And I have been back at Queen's and in this role since 2018. Wonderful. And tell us about the role that the advancement plays in coordinating overall alumni relations at the at the university. So advancement has a, um, a sort of a dual role with respect to alumni relations. We are responsible for both uh, engaging alumni with the university in a variety of different uh, mechanisms. And we're also responsible for making sure that alumni remain informed about what is happening on campus and what is happening with their alma mater so that they can continue to engage in perhaps different ways than what they have engaged to that point. And now you've made a long, long career now in, in alumni relations, not only at Queens, but elsewhere too. What drives your passion for alumni relations? Oh, that's a great question. I mean, for me, the idea that you are a part of a community as a young adult, that just by virtue of attending the same institution together at some point in time, you are a member of that community for life. And so to know that out there in the world, in the Queen's context, there are 170,000 people that you immediately have something in common with is incredibly intriguing. And so be able to be able as a professional and as part of my professional pursuits to be able to foster those connections and see how they can be brought to bear on advancing the current institution so that current students and, and young adults today that are on campus can benefit from my experience as an alum because of how I now engage with the university. That's extraordinarily special to me. Amazing. Thank you so much for sharing. All right. So now all sorts of really fun, exciting things are coming up this October for homecoming, which is happening October 20th through the 22nd. Karen, tell us some of the key events that will be taking place. Tell us about them. 
All right, so there are a lot of events as always. There are a number of events that are run by faculties, specifically for alumni of their faculties. There's the, you know, the traditional tricolor guard dinner, which is uh, the dinner in the evening for graduates that are celebrating their 50th anniversary since graduating or longer. But I wanna really focus on, or at least put a spotlight on two um, events that frankly, the entire campus community can participate in and really become a part of the homecoming celebrations. And the first is our fall harvest gathering. So that is a gathering in the middle of campus with a number of uh, local Kingston vendors. And it's really a celebration of all things Kingston. And it is family friendly. So it is a mix of uh, alumni and their families, uh, Kingston residents and their families and students coming out, enjoying uh, food trucks, some games. I'm told there's a scavenger hunt this year. Uh, lawn games, face painting, and uh, some some vendors in, uh, from the area. So it's a really great way for a number of constituents in the Kingston and Queens community to gather together. The yeah, second uh, event, which is um, a really high profile one that we really invite everybody to participate is everything around the football game and halftime parade. So, but leading up to that, there's of course the, the traditional parade from uh, University and Union all the way down Union Street to Richardson Stadium. It is a celebration of all things Queens. The bands are playing, the cheerleaders are cheering and the alumni and anybody who wants to join them, all of the students, residents along the street, joining in and just celebrating that sense of community as they make their way to the stadium. And then of course we have the, the kickoff for the football game, but then during the football game, there is the extraordinary halftime parade. And the halftime parade, of course, is for those alumni that have gathered for the, um, the significant, the 50 year plus uh, anniversary celebrants. And they quite literally at halftime parade around Richardson Stadium to the cheers and, and celebrations of everybody else in the stand. And it really is an extraordinary opportunity for the community to gather together. Amazing. And now CFRC, of course, is proud to uh, participate in the tradition once again. Uh, well, a hundred years ago, we were broadcasting <laughs> some sports uh, announcements on October 7th, 1922. Uh, and uh, this homecoming will be uh, broadcasting the homecoming game once again, and as happy. we've been doing for many, many decades. And, uh, and that's a one way that alumni that might not be able to actually be in Kingston can still engage with some of the really fun stuff that's happening on campus. Every single ho homecoming, there's always that homecoming game. Are there other opportunities for um, alumni who are around the country or around the world that can't actually get to Kingston to maybe able to see some videos or participate mm -hmm. in virtual sessions or anything? There are a few virtual sessions. And we do know from some of our, our surveys over the past couple of years, because we've tried a lot of uh, virtual events and virtual homecomings and then hybrid for our first year back, uh, the the vast majority of our alumni community wants to gather and celebrate in person. Yeah. Uh, but there are a few uh, sort of uh, specific events where those events themselves are also going to be broadcast virtually as well. But there will be videos that will be uh, disseminated afterwards from a couple of things. And certainly there'll be a compilation video for everybody so that you can kind of get a, a, a taste of what it was like if you were unable to join us on campus. 
Right. And I bet there are opportunities, too, for finding chapters, alumni chapters globally, too. Maybe there are some fun activities being held by those chapters. Absolutely. Well. We are very fortunate at Queen's that we have chapters, as you say, uh, around across Canada and around the world. And uh, whether it is during homecoming weekend or at other event times during the year, those chapters are, are very active, uh, having activities where they're gathering people in their communities. Awesome. So, Karen, in your view, what's particularly unique about the Queen's homecoming experience compared to maybe other homecomings at other universities mm -hmm. and colleges? You know, I, I was thinking about that. And as I actually myself approach my almost 30th anniversary year, you know, for me, it is the fact that, you know, I think about the way that I engaged with homecoming when I was a student. Homecoming at many institutions is a very important event in the alumni calendar, and it is important for the institution for a variety of reasons, but it is just that it is an alumni event. There are through things like the Farrell Harvest Gathering and, of course, the um, the, the parade and then the Tricolor Guard parade at halftime, there are, you know, ways that we are not just inviting, encouraging the current student um, population to engage with alumni through homecoming and be a part of the alumni celebrations for homecoming weekend. And that is truly extraordinary because it does remind all of us that we are part of this bigger community than just the people that we know from our own personal connections. Awesome. And now overall, why is it important for alumni to stay connected to Queen's University, not only during homecoming, but throughout the, throughout the year? It's important for a couple of reasons. I would say it's important for the alum themselves to remain engaged with the university because it's a way for alumni to remain connected to one another through things like the chapters, as you say, and, and the branches, being mm -hmm. able to meet other alumni in their community that they may not have been able, they may not have been aware um, that they were themselves Queens grads. That provides them personal connections. In many cases, it also provides them professional networks. Yes. So great benefits for uh, alumni themselves. Mm -hmm. There's also great value to the university of keeping alumni engaged in the university. Alumni who remain invested in what is happening on campus, even after they graduate, those are the alumni who are advocates for the university and for the educational sector. They become volunteers in helping move forward the institution in ways that are important to us today. And yes, alumni that are engaged are also alumni that are providing philanthropic support to the university also to move forward some of those priorities that we have on campus today. So there's benefits for both parties. Absolutely. And before we wrap things up, have you anything else you'd like to add or share with us today? So I will say with respect to homecoming, I'm pleased to say that we're already at 1600 uh, people registered for homecoming. So by the time this uh, airs and certainly by uh, homecoming weekend, we expect to have a good number of, of people uh, participating in this uh, event. And the other thing I will say more generally is I encourage people to um, to visit the Richardson Stadium and in particular the Lang Pavilion, which is opening on September 16th, if you haven't done so already. That is an example. That is absolutely an example of the benefits of keeping alumni engaged in the university because Richardson Stadium, the first phase of those renovations and then Lang Pavilion, which opens this year, are almost entirely funded 
through philanthropic donations. And that uh, campaign was driven by alumni volunteers. So that is one very real, very recent example of the benefits of alumni remaining engaged. Wonderful. Thank you so much for joining us today, folks. We have been chatting with Karen Bertrand, VP of Advancement here at Queen's University about all things homecoming. Mm -hmm. And uh, how can we learn more about homecoming events that are coming up for folks that are just, oh, wait, yes, homecoming. How do I register? Where can people find out more information before we close? Sure. So just uh, just uh, you can go on and Google, you can go on the Queen's website. And if you're not sure where to find it, just go on to the Queen's website and search Queen's Homecoming 2023, and you will get the full events uh, listing. Amazing. Thanks so much, Karen. Okay, thank you. And we hope you enjoyed our chat with Karen Bertrand, Queen's University Vice Principal Advancement. And now we're over to our student staffer, Erica Singh, our CFRC Campus News Liaison, with more in Campus News. Thank you. Hello, my name is Erica Singh, and here are your headlines for October 11th. As homecoming approaches, concerns have arisen about the lack of sanctioned events for students. Queen's Homecoming has been scheduled this year for October 20th to the 22nd and is expected to welcome back over 2,000 alumni. However, many of the approved events cater exclusively to alumni, leaving students to find their own ways to celebrate. In the past, students have resorted to attending unsanctioned street parties in Kingston's University District, with some view as a negative reflection on the university's image. The university's official events for homecoming include open houses, faculty receptions, varsity sporting events, and a special reception for alumni celebrating milestone reunions. Apart from the homecoming football game on October 21st, there are limited alternatives to street parties for students. Student safety, particularly at night, and concerns about crowd control is a significant worry. Last year, incidents during Focoming or FOCO led to multiple injuries and even a pedestrian collision with a motor vehicle. The Alma Mater Society is taking an educational approach to homecoming, providing information on the physical, financial, and legal risks of participating in unsanctioned parties. Their harm reduction initiative aims to minimize risks associated with these events, such as excessive alcohol consumption. The AMS aims to host additional events leading up to homecoming weekend to promote harm reduction, although details are still pending. The university has not commented on sanctioned homecoming events for students or measures to ensure their safety. With homecoming just two weeks away, more information from the university is expected to be available soon. Next, the Society of Graduate and Professional Students, or the SGPS, has revealed its 2023-24 budget. The proposed budget, which was presented by the SGPS Vice President Gabby Fekete, allocates $501,250 for student subsidies, grants, and wages. The goal is to prioritize SGPS members' interests, financial sustainability, and optimize budget items based on historical data. Notable budget changes include a new general health subsidy, replacing the mental health subsidy, offering $18,000 for various health expenses. The gender-affirming care subsidy supports individuals undergoing gender-affirming care with up to $500 in coverage. The emergency student assistance subsidy criteria has been amended, emphasizing the need for students to provide proof of expenses. The SGPS has invested surplus funds received in 2018 in alignment with the sustainability principles and responsible investments. 
That's all for your campus news headlines. Now over to Mia with the weather. Thanks so much, Erica. Now it's time for the CFRC weather report brought to you by Environment Canada. Our intern, Maya Leitinen, is away this week for Reading Week. On Thursday night, we're expecting partly cloudy skies with a low of 4. On Friday the 13th, we have a mix of sun and cloud and a high of 14. Friday night, cloudy with a 30% chance of showers and a low plus 5. On Saturday, cloudy with a 60% chance of showers all day and night with a high of 11 during the day and a low of 6 at night. On Sunday, cloudy with a 30% chance of showers during the day and night, a high of 11 during the day and a low of 6 on Sunday night. And the outlook for Monday is cloudy with a high of 12 and cloudy at night with a low plus 5. And before we close our show today, all members of the Queen's University community are advised that the University District Safety Initiative goes into effect October 14th in anticipation of homecoming activities. Kingston Police and City Bylaw Enforcement are reminding students to be mindful of their behavior and to celebrate responsibly during homecoming festivities. The University District Safety Initiative begins at 12 a.m. on October 14th and remains in effect until midnight on November 1st. And during this time, bylaw and police will have an increased presence in the university district. Individuals who commit an identified offense under the nuisance party bylaw could be issued a part one court summons or an administrative monetary penalty. Police and city bylaw are working closely with Queen's University, Kingston Fire and Rescue, Frontenac Paramedics, Kingston Health Sciences Centre, and other partners to ensure minimal disruptions to the community during this time. Kyle Campo, manager of enforcement at the city of Kingston, urges everyone to conduct themselves in a safe manner and be mindful of the negative impact their actions could have, and that high-risk behaviors, including large unsanctioned gatherings, are not only dangerous for those present, but can also hinder the public's access to roadways, transit, and emergency services, and that there will be fines and penalties issued to those who do not follow the laws in place. Administrative monetary penalties are authorized under Section 434.1 of the Municipal Act, and the process means penalties under the Nuisance Party and Noise Bylaws can be issued and resolved directly through the city, and penalties include hosting, conducting, or sponsoring a nuisance party with a $2,000 fine, failing to comply with an order to leave a premises, a $500 fine, use of a closed highway, a $500 fine, noise bylaw offenses varying between $1 to $200 fines, and failing to comply with signs, uh, $200. Additional resources will be committed to ensure a broad range of options to assist in monitoring large unsanctioned gatherings and nuisance behavior. Kingston Police Inspector Lillian Murdoch says that we want to remind everyone that reckless partying and high-risk nuisance behavior can also have serious impacts on your future, she said. Large unsanctioned gatherings pose substantial safety concerns. They also place excessive strains on emergency services. She encourages individuals to be aware of their surroundings and to ensure they are following all applicable municipal, provincial, and federal legislation. Under Ontario's Liquor License and Control Act, the following actions are prohibited and can result in Part 1 court summonses, including persons under the age of 19 having or consuming liquor, having liquor in an open container, or consuming liquor in unauthorized places, and being intoxicated in public places. Residents and members of the Queen's community are also advised that Breakwater Park and Gord Edgar Downey Pier are closed to the public nightly between 8 p.m. and 6.30 a.m. from the evening of Thursday, October 19th to the morning of Sunday, October 22nd, and from the evening of October 26th through the morning of Sunday, October 29th. 
According to city bylaw, it is an offense to enter or use a park where the entry or use is prohibited by notice, and there will be active video surveillance of the area at this time. Residents and campus community members are encouraged to learn more about the municipal measures in place to discourage unsanctioned large, large gatherings and high-risk or disruptive behaviours by visiting the UDSI webpage on the City of Kingston website. More information is also available on CFRC's news page at cfrc.ca. And that's it for Campus News this week on Campus Beat. Have campus news you'd like to share? Reach out to station at cfrc.ca. And don't forget to subscribe to the Campus Beat podcast on Spotify and Apple Music. Thank you for tuning in, and we'll see you next time.